Hey guys, we are back. We are live. Welcome back, VM Nation. We are live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. Thank you so much for hopping on again. Today, we are going to be taught a master class in sales and building a sales team. I can't wait. I'm so excited because 2022 is coming and I want to crush the competition. So my, my friend Brian's going to be dropping some knowledge in, in a minute. But I want to thank our sponsors, um, Ballish, uh, Ballish Woodworks, Kurt Ballish. I love your, your amazing woodwork. Thank you for everything you do. My wife still is the only cutting board. Is Yours is the only one she will use. So thank you so much. And also Tammy Moses of the Hoarding Solution. Thank you so much for what you do for helping families that are dealing with hoarding. And also, this just dropped this week. Bump, bump, bump. Vertical Momentum Coffee. If you want your ass kicking coffee, here you go. Don't drink that other stuff. Drinks the real stuff. All right, Brian, my brother, welcome to the show. What's going on, Richard? Thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited about this. I, I hear you did door to door sales in back in the day, hey? Uh, I did it. That was that was the you know because I, I figured if I'm going to be a great salesperson, I want to take I want to do the two hardest sales you can do. One is door to door and one is to sell timeshares. So yeah. I did both of them. So, but, you know, knocking on doors for me, the biggest lesson learned was you got to learn to take a lot of no's. And the more no's you get, you get closer to your yeses. So talk to us about your foray into sales. Yeah. Honestly, what got me into sales was that same mentality. It was, I, I met some people who were in sales that, they just bedazzled me when they walked into a room, like the energy, like they just could handle a crowd. Like the, I just knew I really wanted to learn the skill sets that great salespeople had. And so I said the same thing. Like I'm going to try the hardest type of sales because I'll learn it in the shortest amount of time. And that was door to door. And so, yeah, I started selling home security systems in Canada um, door to door. And I, I wasn't really good at it. In fact, I think my first sale solo took me like a thousand doors, like a thousand doors to make one sale. And um, <laughs> I, I'm blessed that any of the sales reps that I've recruited has not taken even close to that for them. But um, but hey, yeah, that, that's what it took for my first crack at it. It was a thousand doors. <laughs> you know, now a lot of people, you know, because everybody has pretty much the same script when when you're first starting to sell. Everybody's taught you know, objections and all that. But for me, I, I noticed that when I was successful is when I put myself into it. I put emotion into it. Um, I was being real. Um, so how did you go from, you know, now all of a sudden, you know the script, but now you had to deviate a little bit and make it your own and make it your own, you know, production. Yeah, I, I think it started to click for me most when I started to get obsessed with people and the human brain and how, you know, like how people react to things. And, um, and yeah, I just found that, like, don't get me wrong, I've, I've tried to read every sales book in the game. There's lots. Um, but getting to know people, getting to know human psychology, getting to know the brain um, is what I think changed the game for me. 
Um, so now you go from being a salesperson to being a sales leader. How did that come about? And how long did it take you from the first knock until you became a sales leader? It took two years. It took, um, I, I think for someone to be a, like a, a competent sales leader, they have to convince themselves that they are a competent leader. And uh, I think that comes from results mostly. And so it was when I, I had made, you know, a six figure income in, in a shorter amount of time in, in about six months that I knew like in my peers that I could teach them something just cause I knew that wasn't what my peers were, were making. And so, um, when I started and I can like, and, and granted I had a lot of leadership and guidance as well that helped me with this whole process. But, um, I knew when I had things to teach people, like just on a simple phone call in, in five minutes, speaking to someone, if I could have changed their paradigm a little bit of around sales or around negotiation or persuasion or whatever, um, then I, then I started to get a little more confident and like, okay, I think I could do this. And, um, and that just snowballs from there because then your people feel like they can teach, you know, other people and, uh, and it grows. Okay. So now, cause sometimes you sit back and it's not, you look at what, you know, I can do, but what were the other people not doing? I think, um, what were other people not doing? Okay, a lot of people when they first start out, they just dive into the sales and they just dive into handling objections and and closing and and that kind of stuff. Um, but they don't dive into what's not being said, and um, and that's why I think is one of the most underrated parts about being a top tier sales rep. Like I'll give you an example. Like when we first show up at the door, or you're cold calling. Like if you're cold calling someone. Um, if they see perceive threat at the door and usually like a salesperson, once they realize this is a salesperson, they think threat, this is a threat. Um, the, the initial, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what your pitch is like the, the phone is hanging up or they're closing the door or, or whatever. And so, um, yeah, when you kind of get to know, yeah, when you get to know the human brain, a little bit more is when things started to change. Like, I'll give you an example. Our human, our brains have evolved um, over you know thousands of years, kind of following the way um, civilizations have evolved. First, we were hunter gatherers. The way we survived was, you know, being aware of the threats that are in our environment, like saber tooth tigers and things. After we were hunter gatherers, we formed into tribes, and the way you survived was, um, you know, staying in the tribe. If you were outcasted from a tribe probably meant certain death. So the social aspect of life and the social dynamics became a little bit more important. After tribes, we developed our neocortex, which is our higher level, rational, logical reasoning type of thinking. And uh, usually when you formulate an idea, it's with the neocortex and you think that the person on the other end is going to receive it that way with the same part of that brain, but it's not. It goes through the primal brain, then the social brain, and then the neocortex. And so when I, when I started to realize these things, um, amongst others, um, then I could really realize how to position the pitch and the words and, and, and whatnot. Because, yeah, if someone is seeing threat or they're seeing you're not credible or they're thinking these kinds of things in, in the back of their head, they're questioning the social dynamic. It doesn't matter what you're saying. Your pitch doesn't matter. Um, 
you really have to make sure that you're not um, falling into those two traps before we get to a pitch kind of thing. Okay. Now I love it. You know, especially talking about, you know, neuro linguistics programming, you know, I, I'm, I'm all about the brain, you know, I'm all about studying the brain, you know, and like you said, things haven't, they changed, but they haven't really changed in the last 100 years. You know, even when you go back to, you know, everybody talks about Napoleon Hill, but, you know, nobody really goes back and talks about his teacher, which is Mr. Andrew Carnegie, you know, when, and the brain really hasn't changed that much, but sometimes, you know, if you, you know, like when you're doing cold calling, if somebody opens the door and there's a person smiling on their front steps, it kind of brings that, like you're talking about, it kind of brings that, that fear factor down. Right. And then, you know, a lot of times if you could just get your foot in the door, like for me, my, I couldn't sell a timeshare to save my life, but there was a, a, a seven year old man. He was crushing it. He was killing it. And he was getting like four or five sales a day. Whoa. And I didn't understand why. So I, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, teach me. And so he actually taught me. I came in early. You know, he would read like three or four newspapers a day. Um, just so when somebody came in, say if, if, you know, you came in and you sat on my table today, we would start talking about Canada. I'd start talking about, well, you know, I can't, I can't believe that the NHL playoff, I mean, NHL is kind of cutting down the teams this week. You know, so we have something to talk about. And then I would go get a cup. Of, he would go get a cup of coffee and touch the man on the shoulder and asked him if he wanted a cup of coffee. And I asked him, I said, why did you do that? He said, because once he let me into his personal space, it's it. It's over. So talk to us about, you know, those little things of, you know, being personable, smiling, even, you know, even though with now with COVID, you know, shaking hands. But still, if somebody lets you in that personal space, they become more open and, you know, it's they kind of notch it down a couple of levels. Yeah, that, that's totally true. Um, as I was saying before, with the with um, they see threat, usually someone sees threat when they put you in the same box that a salesperson fits in. And um for us in any capacity, my, my my whole philosophy with sales has always been to when you're cold calling anyway, is to be the least salesy as possible. And so that you don't get put in that same box. Uh, because once they see it or feel salesperson, the initial reaction is I'm not interested. I'm not buying anything. I'm not, I got to think about it, whatever. And so, yeah, I mean, if you can walk up to a door and crack a joke in the first five seconds and get a laugh, um, wow, you differentiated yourself from the last person. For sure, um, that, that's just one example. Like I, I, I know, I've known one guy that went door to door with a scooter, like a push scooter, and he would knock on someone's door. The first thing he would say is, "Hey, you like my ride? I got a waiver form. You can ride it." <laughs> and it would be like, maybe you get a laugh, but it, it was definitely different than the last guy. And so he just bought himself an extra ten seconds where they. You know, like let down their guard a little bit and, and allowed him to to make his pitch. Um, also, a little bit more than the last guy. So now, <laughs> what, you know, what was it like? Um, because obviously, you're a young a younger man. Um, I'm sure that 
when you like if you would come to my front door when you were say 20 19 20 and i would be like bro you know i got shoes older than you you know so and a lot of people probably didn't take you seriously the first you know the first for the first couple of times so did you have to overcome that objection you know also yeah I, I think that's an unspoken objection which is the most dangerous kind of objection that everyone faces especially if like i don't know even if you're selling financial services or whatever like you know people have a cousin uncle whatever that sells financial services and they think that they know more than the person they're speaking to because they have access to this person for example um that stuff happens a lot and, and people don't tell you that usually um so yeah in, in the door-to-door -door capacity um the way we would overcome this is honestly it's just by changing a few words when you're at someone's door so instead of saying something like hey i'm glad i caught you here um flipping that around to um hey i'm glad i actually had time to come back here before we left or like hey um i'm i'm glad yeah i'm gl i'm glad i had the time to come back here uh before we finished our our campaign or before we finished our budget so it kind of flips the script where it's like it's not like i'm lucky to catch you here you're lucky to catch me here because everyone's getting these things and we only have a certain amount we can do kind of thing so and, basically and, you're doing a takeaway yeah without kind doing of a, without doing a hard takeaway exactly um but yeah just um yeah setting that frame in that way is is something it, it took me a really long time to learn it um, but yeah, if you can learn it right away, like right when you start sales, the power of frame setting or frame control or whatever you, you want to call it, because uh, you always want to build up your status, like you always want to build up your your the prize frame, some people call it, um, usually by having names of other people in the neighborhood that you've helped out, like, hey, do you know this person, this person, this person, this person? Okay, they've all done what I'm about to show you, so we're not doing anything crazy, hear me out. Um, it builds a little bit of credibility and... Uh, and takes away that, I guess, unspoken objection. Okay, so now, like I said, um, you start crushing it. And now I'm sure that there were some people that started at the same time as you. All of a sudden, you get promoted, and they're 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 not saying it to you, but they're behind their back. They're hating on you, but you put in the work. You know, you put in the extra mile. You did. You went home when you weren't getting paid, putting in the extra lot mile, learning about NLP and all that stuff. So, what was that like to go? You know, from knocking doors, all of a sudden be a leader, and then having to deal with people that were in the same training class that you were. Um. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I didn't deal with too much of that in the door door industry. There's so much turnover, so much that like, uh, unless you're doing really well, you don't stick around for six years. Um, and if you are sticking around for six years and you're not too, uh, I, I actually don't think it happens. So anyone who would have fallen into that category would have probably left and we wouldn't have been interacting every day. But yeah, like catching up over a message here and there, I guess you're able to just distance yourself to, from that person a little bit better through technology rather than face-to-face -face. um but honestly i didn't deal with that too much which I'm blessed because uh, we yeah just worked with great people now like we said you know before we got on the call you know 
everything, you're rocking and rolling, making money, and then all of a sudden COVID comes, slaps you in the mouth. And you had to pivot, which was, I think, was the, the word of 2021 was probably pivot. <laughs> how did you guys pivot when all of a sudden you couldn't even go, go to somebody's door? What was that like? Yeah, so um, March 2020, I had about 20 sales reps. Um, no way to, or we thought anyway, no way to sell. And so we all had to pivot to over-the-phone sales. And to be honest, for the first week, maybe even for the first week and a half, two weeks, it was just zero, 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 zero across the board, including myself. And uh, it was hard. Like it, Like, it was... Closing door to door and closing over the phone is a different process, and we can go through it if you want. But it it's it was an adjustment period for sure, and um, honestly, and I think a lot of people did this during COVID as well. Um, I reached out to like my whole network. Some people I paid, some people I didn't, but I asked for help like more times in 2020 <laughs> than I think you know the previous five years combined. Because honestly, I think we were all kind of in the same situation a lot of people's businesses went to zero and uh and yeah so honestly after investing in in the program and training and, and that kind of stuff uh we started to to get some momentum but little lesson with building teams um we had about 20 maybe 25 people over the phones calling and at our peak it was about in june we were making about like 25 sales a week as a group, uh, which was, which was, which wasn't great for our, our standard. And, um, and then in June in Canada, anyway, things started to open back up. And since everyone was in isolation, everyone was locked up. Uh, when things did open back up and we were able to go door to door, I basically came on the zoom call that we did every day. Um, and I said, Hey guys, we're shutting this down and we're going door to door. Um, thank you for, you know, trusting us and whatever. And when we did do that, uh, a lot of people quit. Most people quit just because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, I usually worked with like university students. So like parents influences moving across the country during the middle. Of the like there was a lot of reasons granted that they could quit. And, uh, and the government was handing out free money in that time too. And we're full commission sales rep. So it's a lot of, is a lot of risk, but sh long story short, when we were able to go door to door and, and these sales reps got the training over the phones as well, we went from 20, I think we had 24 sales reps down to eight. So like, we lost a lot of people, but uh, we went from 24 sales a week to our first week, we did 77 sales with a third of the people. And so it was a lot less people making a lot more money. And, um, and we only had a short window because COVID came back again. And so um, it, it was, it worked out really well because we basically trimmed the fat. The eight people that came out were the most committed. They were obviously the ones that take it most serious. They're the ones who really wanted it. The other 16 were making phone calls from their bedroom and there wasn't really much to lose. And so, yeah, whenever like a situation like that comes where it's time to trim the fat, like, it it benefits everyone immensely and uh, and yeah so i wouldn't shy away from that ever um and i, I tip my hat to those eight people because 
the government was literally handing out free money and they didn't have to risk everything and go, but it worked out for them and uh, they did well. So are you still with the same company now? No, I've transitioned since then. Um, and yeah, now today I, I help a few small businesses that uh, want to refine their sales process and, um, and I guess offset the whole sales part of their business. A lot of entrepreneurs get stuck working in the business. Usually the best salesperson in the business is the founder. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if he ever wants to get out of that position and work more on the business rather than in it. Um, yeah, I've been working with companies that want to do that. And, now, like, and, I want to hop back because I've heard that a bunch of times. What does what do you mean by working on the business and not in the business or whichever way you said it? I don't remember, but yeah, I guess just refining processes that handle the situations that, that a business encounters. And uh, rather than being in the situation that calls for. So for example, lead comes into your business uh, rather than being the person that takes that call or, or reaches out, um, just managing the system that takes care of it. Usually it involves other people or technology is you know, I play there too. Maybe it's a bot now or I don't know. But um, yeah, if, if, if I can help that business owner just set up the systems in place that will automate the sales part of their organization and uh, they can do it on a full commission basis where it doesn't cost them any overhead. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I've been doing. So that's, a, I mean, for me, you know, as a business owner, that's a, a win-win. You can't lose if you're a business owner and you do it that way, right? Yeah, I mean, ideally, unless the phone stop ringing or the salespeople are in closing. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. We try to make it that way so that it's a no-brainer decision because they do work on commission. And um, and uh, yeah, as, as long as they're trained well and um, the phone keeps ringing, it should automate itself. And uh, we've done it. We've done it well for, for a few companies. And uh, it's been working. So do you go in there? Are you like a human click funnel? Do you go in there and teach them how to do it, how to get the sales? A human click funnel. So, yeah, actually, I didn't anticipate that. But the three companies I've been working with, their process, um, the the customer, it wasn't favorable for the customer to make the decision in the the way that they were presenting it. Like, um, you know, one company marketing company lead would come in and he would try to close them on the first call. Uh, and honestly, he's, he's been trying that for years and doesn't work, but the second call, maybe he gets them or the third call or, or whatever. And so if the market is telling you, this is not the way we're buying things, um, you shouldn't try to like fit them into that box. Uh, you should really cater your, your process to what the market is telling you so that, you know, if, if, lesson for any salespeople if you're going in for a close and you do not close it's almost as if your social status has just gone down in proportion to the other person it's almost like now you're gonna have to chase um on the next call or you know so you never want to put yourself in that position um and yeah like if if people naturally make decision on, on a second call like set it up so that um they know they have to make the decision on the second call. So for, for example, someone lead comes in and I'm a marketing company and 
this person wants, let's say digital marketing. And um, and yeah, so we have an initial call introduction, rough estimate of price and services and, and what we do. And um, and I'll say, hey, you know, if, if uh, I know you said you want to go from 1 million to 2 million in business, if, if we can do that for you and it's affordable, uh, would you be open to talking about it further? And if they say yes, you're like, okay, cool. When can I get you in front of a computer for 15 minutes? And I'm going to book the appointment then. And when next time I get on the call, I'll probably do another, I call it a pre, pre-close close um, for something like, hey, if, again, if, if this is affordable, makes sense for you, you know we care and we're the right people to work with, are you okay rocking and rolling after this call? And uh, getting a yes to that question, like an agreeance that they're going to make the decision by the end of the call, um, will we'll put you in just in a more advantageous spot because you just, yeah, you want to close when you're going for a close, you know? Now, one thing, you know, because after I was on set, you know, selling timeshare for a while, I became a sales manager. And it was amazing to me, a person, a sales rep would put in a two, two and a half, three hour presentation and then afraid to ask for the credit card. And you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I just had three hours with you, you know. And I, you, sh- you should have no problem asking for 60, gr- 60 grand on a credit card. And, but a lot of, they say 80% of salespeople never ask for this, for the sale. They never ask for the credit card. So have you noticed that? Is that something that you've noticed in your time in the sales business? <laughs> um, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but I, I can believe it. Like there's a lot of timid people out there. Um, Honestly, I, I think what really helps if, if there's a salesperson listening to this that's in that situation that like, hey, shit, I've, I've gone through some presentations and I haven't asked for their credit card is, uh, is is being upfront with it before it even comes. So, you know, most salespeople will tell you, you got to build the value before you tell them the price. Um, it's just telling them, maybe don't tell them the price, but you tell them the range at, at, at which we're going to be talking about before you get to it so that you as a salesperson are more comfortable with it. So like, um, yeah, honestly, before a time share presentation, you're like, Hey, um, I, I, I would say something similar to what I just said. Hey, if it makes sense, it's affordable. Uh, are you okay rolling with us? They say yes. Be like, okay, cool. Just want you to know, I'm going to ask you for more money than you've ever been asked for, for a timeshare before, before. Um, and I'll show you why. And, uh, and then, and then getting into it then maybe you're not as uncomfortable asking for it. And, um, and, and you've pre-framed that you're going to ask for it. So not asking for it won't make sense kind of thing. You know, um, I think that'll help us people that are shy in that regard. Like for me, I would, you know, as soon as I got on the table, I'd be like, listen guys, you know, this may not be for you. You know, five-star resorts may not be for you. So, you know, at, at the end, you know, if you don't want to stay, you know, if you don't want to hang out and, you know, live in a five-star resort, then you can go back to the Holiday Inn, you know? But if you do like what you see, I'm going to ask for your credit card. And then they're like, at the end, they're like, damn, you did ask for the credit card. That's a brilliant line. And I'd be like, all right, you've seen everything. You've walked in and you sat on the bed. Credit card or cash? What do you want? And I've actually had some people be like, cash? You know, but if I didn't say that in the beginning, you know, let them know I did the takeaway, the soft takeaway like you did. You know, this may not be for you. 
And they're thinking, wait a minute, why would it not be for me? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so, that, that's a good line, man. Hey, I, I bet that that worked a few times. Yeah. So now, uh, now you're obviously, as we're talking today, we just got the news that this whole Omicron virus, whatever it is, is going to start locking people down again. Um, so I'm sure that your brain is clicking just like mine's clicking. Um, when I first started, I'm like, so there's going to be more people home, more people listening to podcasts. So I'm getting excited about it. You know what I mean? Uh, so what, how are you guys, your business planning on pivoting even now what we're going through now? Yeah. It's a lot less in-person visits. Um, but uh, I'm blessed that everything we've been doing for the last few months has been fully remote. Um, and, uh, and we plan to continue that way. Honestly, I think there is still, there's still power into, honestly, probably one way that I'm, I'm going to look at um, doing even more is conversations like this, where, where you can see someone uh, where eye contact and body language and, and that stuff still has a, an effect and a bit of influence because when I transitioned over the phones from door to door, that was a part of influence that I was missing. And, and maybe that contributed to the drop in results. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's probably the biggest thing I'm going to change is, is integrating more zoom calls or, or just video calls of this nature, because I don't know, you just connect a little bit better than over the phone. See, you know, my last, my podcast, I've only been doing video for about a month because I lost my vision last year. And I'm just starting to get my vision back. So I was doing everything audio. But now I can do video. It's great because you can talk. You can, you know, like you said, you can feel the person. You, you get kind of more of a bond. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So how do we find you? How do we get in touch with you? Um, and how can we support whatever you're doing? So thanks for that. Um, yeah, just, I guess, social media would be the easiest way to, to get in touch. Uh, my name is Brian Nagaro, um, as it's written on the screen. If you type that in on LinkedIn or, or Instagram or Facebook, I think I'm the only Brian Agaro out there. And, um, and yeah, if you have any questions as to like what you can do for your sales process or your sales or whatever, um, I'd love to help. I honestly think that bringing sales knowledge and capability into more people's lives, um, it just increases quality of life. Like you'll communicate with your spouse better, your team, your bit like, life will improve if you learn a little bit of sales if you have zero sales knowledge if i can help anyway um hey i do that for free no problem all right and you know and, and before we log off i just want to say you know I want, I want you to thank um your the person that got me in touch with you i want you to thank her for me and say thank you i appreciate her for what she did um but you know i always hear i always heard you know i'm not a salesperson and then i'd say are you married? And they'd be like, yeah. I'm like, well, somebody had to say yes. You know, the shirt you're wearing, the hat I'm wearing, somebody had to say, yes, I want that hat. Yes, I want that shirt. Everybody, you're either a buyer or you're a seller. Everybody's in, is in on the sales process. All right, guys. So definitely check Brian. I'll be dropping all his links. I want to thank our sponsors. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Tammy. Guys, if you want some ass-kicking coffee, like I said, and um, I didn't say this before, but all my proceeds from the coffee 
go to help veterans that are homeless and dealing with addictions. So I make no money off of the coffee. So I just want to let you guys know that. Brian, have an amazing week, brother. You too, Richard. Thanks again for having me. This was a ton of fun. Maybe we could do it again. Oh, definitely. And guys, remember, vertical momentum. The only way to go is but up. Catch you on the flip. Peace out. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.